0: I want to go back to the beginning, if we can, to 1984, just first off, when Much debuted, because I was, I think, 14 or 15 at the time, and for those that weren't around, when Much music came on
1: the air, it was a big deal, wasn't it? It was a huge deal. Before then, you had to source out somebody with a 12-foot satellite dish who could suck down MTV from somewhere in the sky. And a lot of bars and a lot of restaurants had those big satellite dishes. And that's where we got our MTV and our our first exposure to music videos. But that was illegal. They didn't have a license to broadcast in Canada. So there were some crackdowns on these places that were showing MTV feeds. And it wasn't until we finally got to 1984 and Chum Limited put uh, much music on the air that we had our own version of, of MTV and people would sit in front of the TV for hours mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting for the, the new video or their favorite video to come up. And it was just one of those channels that you put on and let run all day.
0: And this was huge, particularly for Canadian artists, and it boosted the careers of quite a few. Uh, Like I'm thinking of Platinum Blonde in particular in the 80s, and Corey Hart, of course. I mean, they really emerged as really superstars, I think, thanks to video and much music.
1: Yeah, there was something called Video Fact. And you could apply to have uh, money or grants to help you create music videos, because this was a brand new art form back in the early 1980s. And there was precious few Canadian music videos. And I don't remember what the quota was. It was probably 30 or 35% of the, of the videos that, that much music was mandated to play had to be of Canadian content. Uh, so you needed to kickstart this entire industry of creating short films based on songs. And this has had a lot to do with the gradual explosion of Canadian uh, talent in not only the na- on the national stage, but on the international stage from 1984 forward. And it was also really cool, too, because for the first time ever, we a kid in St. John's, Newfoundland, could experience music in exactly the same way as a kid in Yellowknife. Mm-hmm. So it was the nation's music station. That's what they called themselves for a while. And everybody was brought together, not only by international music videos, but like you say, these domestic music videos, which began... Creating a star system. And don't forget there was Musique Plus in in uh, Quebec, too. Oh, of course, yeah. So there were the, the two things. And, and these two star systems grew side by side. And, you know, if you were going to do a music video for a Canadian artist, damn it, it had better look and feel and sound as good as something that they were doing in New York or Los Angeles or London. So yeah. it, it, there was a real... Uh, imperative to up our game very very quickly
0: okay so we're pouring all of this money into videos they look slick they're great people are watching it they're watching the channel where did it start to go wrong was it the emergence of grunge and uh, music that uh, wasn't so image heavy all of a sudden or was it something no, else? no uh
1: I, it was starting to get a bit weird towards the end of the 90s where the um I guess the, the the shine had come off the music video. They had become so expensive. I mean, we talk about the Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson video that, uh, you know, had a budget of seven or nine million dollars. And some of these hip hop videos had incredible budgets. It, they were basically small films with all the special effects and location shoots and all that sort of stuff. So there was something, you know, maybe there's just a little lack of return on investment here. But then by the time we get to 2005, when YouTube comes on, Mm -hmm. well, then we have a problem because you no longer had to sit in front of the TV for hours and hours and hours waiting for your favorite video to come up. Chances are it was already on YouTube. Right. And uh, then the music industry realized what was going on. So they created a a side thing called Vivo and Vivo had all these music videos. So what was the point? There There was no magic in sitting waiting for your video anymore. Uh, because you could go and get what you wanted immediately.
0: Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that, because I still love It's one of my favorite things to do, kick back on a Friday or Saturday night and go down one of those YouTube rabbit holes, and uh, you know, you start linking to different videos. So we all still just have the appetite, it seems anyways, to, to watch and consume music videos. It's To your point, we want to do it on our terms now, right, on demand.
1: We do, and once we got into things like Napster and iTunes and file sharing, this idea of instant access to whatever our hearts desire began to really creep into popular culture. So this idea of waiting for something like a music video, forget it. Mm-hmm. Now there, there were, you know, with, with much music there, there was uh, a certain amount of this programming mandated that they had to, to, to run over a 24 hour period over, or over a 168 hour period for the week. But as things began to change in terms of music consumption and what people wanted, what they ended up doing was doing what MTV had done previously, which is move more and more into the, the lifestyle thing. So the right, rea- all
0: of a sudden we're starting to see actual TV shows on these
1: videos. The channels. reality shows, the, uh, the game shows, the movies, you know, these things that don't have necessarily anything to do with music whatsoever. Uh, the M in MTV does not stand for music anymore. It is just MTV. Uh, in 2013, uh, much music became just much. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they are reducing the amount of music videos that they're running on a daily basis even further, not surprising. Nobody's watching. I mean, there's this huge romantic thing where, oh, I I would watch it if they put on videos all the time. Well, no, no. You wouldn't, yeah. um, because no one is.
0: Yeah, the, the only thing I think I've consumed to watch is there's a thing a retro much, right? Yeah. Because it, it just harkens back to that day when I was 15 and consuming and watching these videos, as we've just been con- kind of talking about and romanticizing in a way. Uh, you, n- nobody's consuming videos this way anymore. So, you know, with this announcement yesterday where much is headed with only an hour of music programming now in a day, Uh, What is the future, if any, for Much or MTV or any of these? Well, that's a really good
1: question. I mean, they've become, you know, youth-oriented lifestyle networks, and that's probably the the direction that they're going to continue. What constitutes a youth lifestyle network is still to be determined, but... uh Jersey Shore's not going anywhere anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> so maybe more of that sort of stuff. Maybe uh, you know I, again the movies, the game shows, the uh, I mean I, I rely on much right now for my reruns of uh, the Simpsons and Family Guy. So, right. <laughs> and South Park. So yeah. uh, it's 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 really important that I that I that, that's what it's become. Yeah.
0: Finally, uh, does it blow your mind like it does mine every time I turn on the news now and I see uh, JD, now John Roberts, reporting from the White House in the press room? I mean, uh, my first exposure to much music was seeing JD there, you know, thrown to videos.
1: There was a story in a magazine many years ago, and I'll never forget the title. I think it might have been in Toronto Life magazine. And the title of the story on John Roberts was The Johnning of JD Roberts. Uh,
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What a great headline. Alan Cross, thanks as always. Good to see you, my friend. Oh, you're very welcome.